Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, okay, I can already hear some of you now. Stanford's coming off of two very, very tough and disappointing losses. The offense has misfired at critical junctures throughout really all three of their games, and the defense has taken the last couple of weeks off. They can't possibly beat the Oregon Ducks. Can they? Well, that's what we're here to discuss on this edition, an episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Hey, that's me! And it's Friday, September the 20th, 2019. We're getting you set and ready for the Cardinals' return to the farm. Stanford versus number 16, Oregon. to 4 o'clock kickoff at Stanford Stadium. Hope you're getting ready for it all. And that's what we're here for in case you are not quite ready for it. I'm Troy Clarity. Thanks for being here with us on the show. Uh, Coming up in a bit, we are going to be joined by our special guest, Stanford sophomore wide receiver, Michael Wilson. And uh, you already know him as the team leader in touchdown grabs with a couple of really nifty ones. Uh, The first touchdown of the year against Northwestern and a gorgeous catch over a UCF defender last week. You're going to hear Michael Wilson's thoughts on the season so far. And I especially want you to pay attention to his thoughts on what's at stake for the Cardinal this upcoming week. We'll get you three things that you need to know about Stanford football in just a brief moment. And we'll have They Said It. And we'll bring back, I think, a pertinent quote that uh, you might not have quite heard in week one. We'll bring that for you in this uh, week's edition of They Said It. But Stanford versus Oregon. These have been pretty entertaining, certainly over the last few years. Last year, no exception. Uh, Oregon appeared to have that game well in hand, appeared to have a touchdown that would have put them up 31-7, to but instead uh, that touchdown, the running back kicked, kicked the pylon on his way out of bounds, ruled out of bounds at the one, and then the next couple plays later, next thing you knew, Joey Alfieri was taking an errant shotgun snap and taking it back 80 yards to the house for the Cardinal, and that was really the impetus. Stanford went on to a still-shocking overtime win in Eugene last year, one of the great games in Pac-12 football, uh, certainly of this decade. Not sure how similar things are going to look this time around this year, Folks aren't thinking that there's going to be too much drama heading into this year's matchup. But that can all change. That can certainly all change in a big-time way. Looking forward to finding out along with you on Saturday afternoon. But the first thing that we need to do is to get you the three things you need to know about Stanford football right now. That means we got to start with number one. Well, after coming off of two pretty tough losses on the road, disappointing losses on the road, I was interested to get the mood of the team, the mood of the squad, how they're feeling heading into this week, 
and um, how, how, how things are going as they get ready for a, fly, a, a matchup against another high-flying team in the Oregon Ducks. So earlier this week, I asked Connor Weddington, the Stanford wide receiver, what he thought the mood of the fellas was heading into this week against the Oregon Ducks. We're a strong-willed team. You know, we're Stanford. Uh, we pride ourselves in being intellectual. And uh, so at the same time where we lost, like I said in the beginning, we pride ourselves in responding to adversity. So that's just something we got to do. We believe in each other. We believe in our team. Uh, and we know the work that we all put in. Yep, that's Connor Weddington saying that his guys are a resilient bunch. That will certainly be tested this week against the Oregon Ducks. And look, there's still nine games left to be played for the remainder of the season, including this upcoming game against Oregon. Still got nine games left. Still pretty much just about everything that Stanford really wants to accomplish is still at, is still right out there for them. So really no need to get too far down and count themselves out um, at this juncture. More on the mood of the team with the Stanford wide receiver Mike Wilson coming up in just a few minutes. But first, as we continue to go through our three things you need to know, we are now at number <laughs> The youth movement is in full effect for Stanford football 2019. 13 true freshmen played for the Cardinal last week at UCF. Of course, the two main guys that you know about, the starters on the offensive line, left tackle Walter Rouse and right tackle Branson Bragg. Branson, of course, didn't make it through the first quarter before leaving that game with an injury. Also, some guys you might have already known about, like running back Austin Jones, punter Ryan Sanborn, safety Jonathan McGill, cornerback Caillou Blue Kelly, running back Nathaniel Pete, and offensive guard Barrett Miller. And... There were some guys out there that you probably saw for the first time, or at least might be hearing about them for the very first time as I say their names now, like cornerback Celine Turner-Muhammad, uh, wide receiver Elijah Higgins, uh, safety Spencer Jorgensen, and safety Bronk Jones. Three of those guys made their Stanford debuts in Orlando. That was Bragg, Jorgensen, and Sinclair. One of those guys in particular seems to be making his way up the depth chart for this week against Oregon, and it's it's not due to injury necessarily. Jonathan McGill appearing as an or in a backup slot at safety spot for Stanford this week. We hadn't seen him on the depth chart uh, until this week of the season. Now, obviously, when you have freshmen, true freshmen running around out there, they just moved on to campus earlier this week with classes starting next week, so they haven't really uh, picked up a textbook yet for Stanford just yet. But when, when you have true freshmen out there running around for Stanford, it's not just experience that you have to worry about, them getting used to things both on and off the field, the knowledge uh, of, of seeing different things in the collegiate level that you might not necessarily have seen in high school, but it's also strength. Man, there's a big, big difference between an 18-year-old kid and a 21, 22-year-old man, especially in the physical positions, especially on the offensive line. So, Many more true freshmen running around out there for Stanford than perhaps some folks would have wanted to see at this point and doing so in key roles. But you know what? It is what it is. And for the Cardinal this season, youth is definitely served. Finally, that brings us to number three. Here's a little tidbit for you. In David Shaw's career as Stanford head coach, after back-to-back -back losses, 
Shaw's 5-0. That's kind of a nifty way of saying that David Shaw has not gone in a three-game losing streak at any point as the head coach of Stanford University. Now, obviously, that's going to be tested in a big-time way this week against Oregon. Oregon, a team that's so dangerous, so good, uh, took Auburn to the limit, probably should have won that game in Week 1 um, of the season. Probably if they'd won that one, that would have changed the narrative that most of the national folks would have had about the Pac-12 this year, but we've had that conversation before. Oregon, a darn good team. We'll get deeper into them in a moment, but one of the reasons why Stanford has been so successful this decade is that they might drop one or two during the course of a season, but that's about it. That's about it. They, they don't let losses turn into slumps and funks. That's what's on the table for Stanford this week. Again, a tall task, but you definitely do not want to get three losses in a row especially before half the season is done. Would love to get, would love for Stanford to get two of the next three. Oregon this week, at Oregon State next week, and then Washington before Stanford's first bye of the year. Cardinal would love to get two of those three at the very least. They could end up three and three going into that first bye. And winning this week would be a big step in that direction. Those are three things. You got three things that you're going to be watching for me this week for UCF. I welcome them. And the best thing to do is to send me your thoughts on Twitter. Uh, at Troy Clarity is how you can follow me on Twitter. You can also uh, send me a tweet. Make sure that uh, you hashtag TreeCast it. That'll help guarantee that uh, I see those thoughts. And if you haven't yet, hey, subscribe to the show, will you? Google, Google Play, I should say. You can subscribe to the TreeCast on Google Play. And on Apple Podcasts as well. So if you have an iPhone or an Android, hey, you've got a way to subscribe to this show. And really now, you have no excuse. If you got a BlackBerry, I, I, I can't do nothing for you. That's, that's on you. You might want to stop by your near, near, nearest wireless store and do something about that. Michael Wilson's been dialed in. See what I did there? So far this season for the Stanford Cardinal, leading the team with two touchdown receptions and 11 catches total. And as Stanford kind of moves into a shorter, quicker passing game, letting, letting the ball into the hands of your playmakers as soon as, as, soon as possible, or at least uh, more quickly than we've seen over the last couple of years where it seemed like it was just, hey, throw the ball downfield and see if our guy can come down with it. Michael Wilson has, has stepped up to the fore. In that respect, earlier this week, I asked David Shaw how he would describe Michael Wilson. Mike's a machine. Um, every single day, get the same effort, same attention to detail. Um, never slows down. Um, uh, and as well as we, we have to be cautious with him because he'll never come out of the game if he does, if, he, if you don't make him come out of the game. Um, so I think we have a good rotation just to get him off the field enough um, and really for kind of our top three guys right now, I think we have a really good system for that. I think Coach Kennedy's done a great job um, orchestrating those guys. But um, between Mike and Connor um, and Colby Parkinson uh, with Morgan Turner, really knowing that these guys, um, if we don't take them out, they'll try to play 70 plays. And, and that's a lot for a game and, and go through playing a 12-game-plus season. Um, but uh, specifically Mike, uh, Mike is the same guy every single day, um, operates with a high level of passion 
um, and attention to detail. So Coach Shaw, very complimentary of Michael Wilson. How would Wilson describe number four? That question, among others, is part of our chat with Michael Wilson on this edition of the TreeCast. Here is the sophomore wide receiver from Simi Valley. All right, Michael, let's start here. Let's put UCF to bed. Obviously not the result the team wanted. Yes, uh, what went right? What could have gone better in your mind? Uh, so a few things. Obviously, we can do a better job of starting fast. I think offense, we went three and out our first three drives. Um, so we're putting our defense in a vulnerable situation, especially with how up, up, up pace and how fast their offense went. So it's never good putting your defense out um, facing offense like that because they're going to be really they're you as you can see watching the game they're really gassed. So that wasn't that was a, a bad start. Um, 21-0 in the first quarter, first five minutes. I mean, that's tough. It's tough for team morale. It's tough game situation. Um, tough for the coaches. I mean. Um, because now, when you obviously when you when you're down 21-0, you got to put points on the board, but that kind of leaves you in some pickles because you start calling more aggressive and risk you know turning the ball over, throwing deep balls, yada yada yada, or you play it safe. And how our offense is, you know, we run the ball, we run the ball, we pass the ball, we run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, we pass the ball. But when you play like that, the only problem is the game is just it's hard to score points quickly, right? Because um, or I think our offense, you know, we're aggressive at times. We're also very conservative. Um, so just I think the biggest thing for us is we just need to focus on starting fast. And uh, we can't, I mean, no team is put in a good situation when you're down 21 points in the first five minutes. I mean, that, that's tough for any team to come back and fight their way back. Um, so I think, yeah, starting fast, and we'll, we'll be better this week doing that. Yeah, certainly. And three spectacular touchdowns for the team yeah. obviously the long run by Austin Jones yeah. the the pancake block by KJ yeah. uh, the scoop and score by McGill and you the mm -hmm. fantastic grab leaping over the defender take me through that touchdown play as you remember it right um, so we called this play it was a double move play um, this is actually coincidentally that was my first touchdown the same play I scored my freshman year hmm. right so they called that play uh, it's a little five yard five yard out and up basic chair route and uh, I didn't see the ball in the air for a while, and then I was kind of getting squeezed to the end zone, right? Um, so I knew once I saw the when I saw the ball in the air, I saw its trajectory was going to end up a little behind me, and the defender was on my back hip. So I knew I was going to have to go and jump over him to make the catch. And after that, when the ball's in the air, it's just pretty much instinctual. <laughs> you just do what you do what you can uh, to come down with the ball. But uh, me and Connor have been working on that catch for all the training camp and we'd be out here an hour before practice, hour after practice, just working on jumping over guys and 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 uh, coming down with the ball. So I think that's just all muscle memory. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. I mean, you guys are out here a half hour after practice, yeah. still working you and the quarterbacks right. as well. But what, what sort of things come out of those after practice sessions that you take with you into games? Right, um, just fine tuning some things. If I felt like I struggled with something in practice, I'll come out here and spend, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes on it. Um, so, you know, for instance, if I felt like I didn't win on a route, ran on a release, I'll go back, I'll reenact that scene, and then just kind of play in my mind what I could have done better. Um, just fine tune, obviously, on the jugs. Most important thing as a receiver, you got to catch the ball. So I'm always on the jugs after every practice. And uh, I just see, I felt like that little stuff, those, those 30 minutes, those add up after a while. By the end of the season, you're at looking at at least. 20 plus hours of extra work you've put in from just the start of training camp. Those 30 minutes, those those pile up 
um, you know, every day after day. So I just feel like all that extra work you put in, it, it pays off. And, and catches like that, you know, you expect to make because you've been putting in so much work. So if I had I not made those catch, I would be pretty upset with myself. But, uh, you know, the, sad, the unfortunate part is you're not going to make every great play. You got to accept that. But the ones that you make, you, th you know you should have made those. The ones that you don't make, you know you should have made those. So that's just how it goes, yeah. Looks like this year uh, the offensive scheme has placed a bit more emphasis in getting the ball out quicker and getting the ball into the playmaker's hands a little bit quicker mm -hmm. than perhaps previously in the passing game. Music to your ears, I'm sure. Uh, your thoughts on how the, the offense has, ev has evolved from a receiver standpoint? Right. Uh, receiver, obviously I think this year receivers are definitely a lot different than uh, past receivers. I think um, we obviously have a young, really young group of guys who – don't on paper have a lot of playing experience. I mean, Connor played his freshman year, uh, played four games last year, but was sidelined due to injury. Simi played four games, but was mainly just a, you know, a situational receiver. We'll put him in here on this play. And then I, I think I started once last year. So this is all, and Osiris made some big plays, but he wasn't like the main go-to guy. You know, those were Trent and JJ. Um, but uh, you know, we were able to, you know, I was able to sit a year behind Trent and JJ, watch them, learn from them, get some good, valuable playing experience. Um, so I think, uh, you know, we've had some miscoms with the quarterbacks so far, but, uh, you know, that's, that's going to happen. We're a young group, um, but I think, you know, I'm really excited of our, about our receiver group, about our quarterbacks, and I think sooner or later those passes that are, two feet in front of our hands that would be those would be touchdowns those would be completed passes those are going to start falling for us and once once those passes start falling I think people are going to turn their head and be like geez these young group of guys can play so I'm excited for when that starts to happen. A couple last questions for Michael Wilson joining us here on the TreeCast and I, I asked David Shaw earlier today how he would describe you and he said Mike's a machine consistency every single day how would you describe Michael Wilson? Uh I would just describe, describe myself as a guy who's just going to go hard. Uh, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to put my head down. Uh, I'm just going to go out and compete and do it to the best of my abilities at 150%. Every play, uh, I'm just going to you know, leave it all out there. I think if you turn on the tape, one thing that's evident in my game is just I just go hard. Uh, I make plays. I block. Uh, I go hard, uh, make catches, uh, go, run good routes. Um, so I would just say someone is an effort guy um, who's going to do what you want, also has the ability to make big plays. And I'm excited to keep showing what I can do um, in these next what, nine, nine, hopefully ten games we have. So I'm excited to show, uh, showcase my talents, and I want to leave a mark here as one of the one of the best to ever put on the Stanford uniform. Well, the next opportunity is coming up this Saturday against the Oregon Ducks. Your initial read uh, on the Duck defense, some things right. that they might try to throw at you on Saturday. Right. Uh, big athletic group. Um, Oregon always has, you know, athletes all over the field. Um, I know a couple of the corners that I played against them um, in high school. Know of them in high school. Um, a lot of SoCal guys on the on, playing on for Oregon. Um, so, actually, one of their corners, uh, Mikhail Wright. I used to play Pop Warner with him. So that would be fun to, you know, shake hands with him after the game and show some love. But uh, I think, you know, <clears throat> as for scheme-wise, uh, let's see. I mean, they could throw anything at us. Um, I think they've watched the tape. 
um, the last the previous three games we've had. So they definitely have some few a uh, few tricks up their sleeve. Um, I think you know we've struggled running the ball. Um, we've also struggled passing the ball. So uh, you know they could throw anything at us. It just depends how their def defensive quarter is going to look at us and you know get what he's going to think is going to give them the best chance um, in slowing our offense. Um, so I, I'm not really sure what they're going to throw at us, but I just know whatever they do, we got to be ready. we got to be able to counter what they do. Um, we just got to be able to go hard, and it doesn't matter what they do. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it just matters how we come out, um, how we make plays, how, you know, the type of passion and perseverance we play with. I mean, it doesn't matter what they do. As yeah. long as we can only control, we can control. So Yeah, and as we wrap yeah. this up here, what, what are your goals for this game? What are your team goals for this game? Right. Um, at the end of the day, the only thing I want to do is win. I mean, um, you know, we're down 1-2 right now. I hate losing. You know, all, all if you come to Stanford, you're a winner. That's point blank range. So I, none of the guys, you know, like losing. It's just puts a pit in my stomach that we're 1-2 and two right now because I know the talent that we have on this team. Um, so I would say right now we're just underachieving, uh, and it sick, sickens me at night when I think about it. So this is a must win. I, I think this is a must win for us. Like I'm not, I'm not going to go to one and three and be okay with it. So I'm going to do everything in my power to get us to, to go two and two so we can get this thing rolling, hopefully end up ten and two. Um, but, you know, this is a must win for us because our, our goal is to win the Pac-12, and our, that goal is still intact. I mean, no, we lost two games. No, those are two big games for us. Um, we can look at it two ways. We can look at it as, oh, woe is me. You know, we're down uh, two games right now. Things are not looking good. No, it's not, it's not about that at all. It's, you know, how can we grow from this? How can we uh, mature as a team um, so we don't get that same feeling riding back from the plane uh, these last two weeks? You know what I'm saying? So uh, this game, you know, I'm, we're all going to leave everything out on the table because at the end of the day, you know, the stat does say win-loss, but if you can go into the locker room and, and you know you know you gave everything you had and you still the result wasn't what you expected, you can't really be too upset if you know internally, like, yeah, I really left everything. I gave my best. I went 150% every play. Um, but normally when you do that, things will fall your way. So I'm, I'm expecting that this week. Should be fun. Stanford versus Oregon always is. Looking forward to seeing what you can do and looking forward to seeing what the Cardinal can do as well. Simi Valley's own Michael Wilson. Thanks so much for, yeah. for dropping by with us. Yeah, Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Really enjoyed chatting with Michael Wilson. He doesn't sound like a, a sophomore, does he? And, and, and he makes no bones about the fact that that one and two displeases him greatly. It does not, does not sit well with him. And one and three is something that he is not going to be okay with. Quite honestly, that was music to my ears to hear him say that. And I know if he feels that way, I know he's not the only one. There are a bunch of, bunch of angry dudes in that locker room who aren't too happy with how things have turned out so far this year. And we'll, look into, we'll be looking to change that around. And no, really, I mean, look, no better time to do it than against a ranked opponent at home in front of, well, at least the freshmen anyway, right? So the atmosphere at Stanford Stadium, I'm sure, will be much better than it was against Northwestern. I don't think it's going to be quite as warm as it was against Northwestern, so two-thirds of the stadium isn't going to be watching it from the concourse instead of actually being in their seats and watching the game from there. So Michael Wilson not happy about the start of the season, and he and the rest of the team 
the coaches and the players will be looking to turn that around uh, with the nation watching against the Oregon Ducks. And, and you heard one of Michael Wilson's keys to the Stanford offense, and it's hoped for success against the Ducks. He wants he wants them to start fast, uh, and that would certainly be be a, a major step in the right direction for the Cardinal, who obviously did not start fast against UCF last week, did not start fast against Northwestern, started pretty well against USC, but could not sustain that momentum. But this offense, no doubt about it, needs to take steps in the right direction, needs to make the right throws, needs to move the chains, and needs to get six points every single time. You cannot settle for free against the Oregon Ducks. You just cannot. A team that potent, they're going to get six more often than not. You need to be able to match them point for point and score for score. Tall test for a Stanford offensive line that that did okay against UCF. I, I thought blocked pretty well in the running game, passing game. Eh. But they did okay against UCF last week. But it's, it's like that commercial. <laughs> Just okay is not okay. <laughs> and that's especially the case against the Oregon Ducks, whose defensive line has played pretty well so far this year. And David Shaw had a message for those who thought that that Ducks D-line has struggled in years past. Oh, gosh. Oh, have they improved? I thought they were always good. Um, remember trying to block DeForest Buckner and all those guys. And they've, they do a great job of and have continued to do a great job through three different head coaches, four different head coaches, of um, you know, which we've tried to do something similar, which is recruiting length and speed. And these guys are long. You know, guys on the edge are long. Um, Guys on the outside are fast. Um, the guys on the interior defense line are thick and big. Um, so I think they've done a great job recruiting to the way they want to play. Um, even with a new defense coordinator coming in this year, um, this personnel seems to fit his scheme very, very well. Um, they move well. They're quick. Um, they're physical. Um, and and the offense helps because yeah, it's always a always a great team game. To where if your offense. Um, can get out and get you a lead. And now this defense gets to show their variety and, um, you know, they can play coverage, they can get after you. Um, but they're, uh, they're able to be, have a little bit more freedom because of the offense that they play with. Um, but, yeah, their they're combination of size, length, and speed, um, it's impressive. That's David Shaw on the, on the Ducks' defensive line. They're quick, they're agile, they can get to the quarterback, and they can be pretty disruptive too. So that's why it is pertinent more pertinent than ever, at least this year anyway, that the Stanford offensive line block and protect. That's where it all starts, right? For Stanford offensively, we've talked about this almost ad nauseum in the now three-plus seasons that this show has been podcasting. It all starts up front. If Stanford can protect, if they can block, Cardinal do well. If... Neither of those things are the case, or if only one of those things is the case, quite honestly, then the whole thing goes haywire. We've seen it before. Got to block and protect. Wide receivers have to catch the rock. A couple of critical drops by Connor Weddington early on against uh, UCF last week really helped to stunt uh, Stanford's growth offensively throughout that game. And quarterbacks, K.J. Costello, he's got to make good throws and make, and good, and make good decisions. 
it's going to need to be a team effort offensively for Stanford to upset the Oregon Ducks. I'll call it an upset. I mean, Oregon on paper right now um, is, is a better team than Stanford is. But the key to me will be defense. It's got to be, right? Especially after what Stanford has done defensively over the, over the last couple of weeks. It's got to be what Stanford does defensively. I, I, don't know if, I don't know if you know this or not, but, but Oregon has, has some guy named, named Justin Herbert at quarterback who pretty much is, is the poster boy of the conference. I mean, who else could it possibly be, right? Uh, up and down the Pac-12, is there, is there one singular player that you can point to and say, that's him, that's the face of the Pac-12? Justin Herbert, I think, is the leader of that pack. David Shaw notices, and he is he jokes about it, but he's, he's not too thrilled about having to worry about that guy for another year. Well, first of all, I think he got some bad advice to come back to school. Um, there are 11 other coaches in our conference that would say that. Uh, in all honesty, I love watching a kid play. Um, he's got a sweet stroke, uh, a, a very repeat, we call it a repeatable motion. It's a very smooth um, uh, throw, uh, throwing motion. Um, such a good athlete, moves so well in the pocket, can escape the pocket. Um, he throws a deep ball with ease. Um, yeah, I think you can see why he's been so highly touted by all the NFL scouts um, because it's not just, you know, they want to see him win games. They want to see him do all those things and bounce back from adversity and all that stuff, the stuff they're all looking for. But you're also looking for the pure talent. Um, he's got pure talent. And um, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a great college quarterback. I think he's going to be a great quarterback at the next level also. <laughs> that's that's David Shaw humor there, but – he, he's right. So dangerous. A lot of scouts are drooling over him already. I'm be interested to count the uh, number of NFL teams who are going to be in the press box uh, on Saturday afternoon. And as of right now, Herbert looking pretty good for his NFL future. He is going to be a round one draft pick, if not perhaps a top 10 draft pick. So that is why the burden of the proof rests on the Stanford defense to stop him and to stop the Oregon offense as a whole. Talked to Jordan Fox earlier in the week, and I, I asked him, I asked uh, Jordan Fox, the linebacker for Stanford, to size up the challenges that Oregon presents offensively. They have Justin Herbert back there, 6'6 um, six, six quarterback, that if we don't get after, you know, we'll sit back there and be poised and ready to throw the ball. Um, but the running backs, um, everybody's talking about their offensive line and how highly touted they are. So um, stopping the run, um, stopping the run, and then after third down, getting after the passer. Um, but we know we know the speed that they have in the slot, wide receivers, um, top to bottom. But um, yeah, I would say slowing down 10 first. Yeah, it, it does begin and start and end with Justin Herbert. Yeah, he's right. You got to slow down number 10 first. Now, obviously, player availability will be a factor for Stanford, has been already this year. Will Andrew Pritz play? I was surprised, pleasantly surprised, to see Pritz even on the depth chart this week after he left with that injury against UCF last week. Will Andrew Pritz be able to go and be effective on the field at inside linebacker for the Cardinal. Because if not, you got Curtis Robinson, who is a converted outside linebacker, who's done, done okay. 
hasn't flashed, hasn't been brilliant. Okay. But you got Curtis Robinson and you got Tristan Sinclair, a true freshman who just stepped on a collegiate field for the first time last week. Not the best of combinations to have at inside linebacker against a against an Oregon offense that, you know, is, is, isn't quite the Oregon offense that you might be used to back when Chip Kelly was running the show, back when it was when it was certainly all about misdirection and, and all those sorts of things where you just had zero idea where the ball was at any given time. They ran that blur offense, got to the line of scrimmage quickly. I mean, yeah, they still do and 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 and, and do those and practice some of those same principles, but it, it's not quite as jarring as it was when Chip Kelly was running the show. It's still pretty tough to defend. It is still very difficult to defend what Oregon does. So it is critical for the Stanford inside linebackers to be on their game, to play assignment football, to know where to be at any given play, and, and to not try to, try to get too wild, not try to play too undisciplined, not fall for fakes, and if they do, be able to recover. Can those inside linebackers play assignment football? And above all, can everybody tackle? Tackling was something that was a totally short supply for Stanford and has been over the last couple of weeks. Wasn't the problem against Northwestern. But Stanford forgot to pack its tackling shoes to L.A. and to Orlando. Can the Cardinal tackle? That's going to make a big difference. If you can, you can hold the Oregon Ducks to a, to a series of maybe three-yard gains, five-yard gains, okay, that's fine. But if you break a tackle, let one go, and the next thing you know, what should have been a three- or a five-yard gain becomes a 40- or a 50-yard gain, then you got problems, G. You got problems. So to me, the tone of this game is going to be set and Stanford's fortunes are going to largely rise and fall on the performance of the Stanford defense. Look, offense needs to bring its game too. Special teams needs to step it up as well. But the defense, the defense, as far as it's fallen over the last couple of weeks, really needs to step up the most against the Oregon Ducks. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of channeling channeling 2009 a little bit. Remember that game at Stanford Stadium? Kind of a, a similar setup, it seems, where Oregon, was that a Jeremiah Masoli team, I believe? And LeGarrette Blunt and all those guys, man, they, they had some dudes on that team. But Stanford played sound, fundamental, fundamental physical football on both sides. On both sides. Didn't hurt that they had Toby Gerhardt going, going off either. But I'm channeling 2009 here a little bit and how that propelled the Cardinal for much of the remainder of that season. That would be nice. That would be nice to have a similar kind of setup and Stanford to get a similar kind of victory this time around. Um, I'm going to get to they said it here in just a moment, but I, <laughs> I, 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 I got I to get this off my chest. I wanted to do this on, on Wednesday's TreeCast, and quite honestly, I forgot to. My bad. Uh, I, I, I got to do a little bit on the California Golden Bears here a little bit because all of a sudden the Bears are being celebrated. And look, why not? They're 3-0. They're ranked. Good for them. 
good for them. They have earned it. However, a quick reminder that we've been here with Cal before, right? This decade, in August and September regular season games, Cal has won 25 of those. They're 25 and 16 in August and September this decade. That's a winning percentage of 610. All right? Now, in regular season games in October, November, and December in this decade, Cal's 23 and 47. That's a winning percentage of 329. They've only won 33% of their games this decade in October, November, and in the regular season in December. We've been here before, folks, where Cal looks pretty frisky, and you start to think, oh, have, have, they, have they turned the corner here? And it's not just Justin Wilcox. I'm a tremendous fan of his, all right? Big fan of Justin Wilcox. Like that coaching staff, and I love that defense. But there's a lot I like about Cal this year, but we've been here before with the Bears. Looking pretty good in September, but then by the time the World Series rolls around, they're, they're nowhere to be found. Maybe they're better equipped this year to prevent that from happening. I still need to see it. I still need to see it. Oh, by the way, they're at, they're at Ole Miss this week. It'll be an interesting road trip. I know a couple people who are making that road trip. <laughs> I hope they come back alive. <laughs> but that would be nice, eh? For the Pac-12 to beat the SEC in their own crib. I'll take that. I will certainly take that. But I, I, I think that needs to be said about the Bears. Hey, good on them for what they've done so far this year, but they need to keep on doing it through October and November. Let's, let's revisit where Cal's sitting in early November before we start to crown them as the new big thing in the Pac-12 North. Speaking of crowning things, that gets us to this edition of They Said It, kind of our quote of the week feature of the TreeCast, which we unveiled this year. And it's actually a they said it that you've heard before, especially if you listen to the first edition of the show. And it's especially pertinent, pertinent this week. We're going to bring it back to what KJ Costello said in week one with Justin Herbert being crowned the poster boy of the Pac-12 and certainly the, the, the most uh, high, the highest profile individual player uh, in the conference. How does KJ Costello feel about that? I don't really have much time to think about that. Um, obviously, you know, um, do I go with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder to Oregon when I know, you know, who, who everybody's been talking about? Of course, I think everybody would. Um, I think this year, you know, it's, it's, I try to always put the chip on my shoulder, so not much is going to change. Um, but I am going to try and, you know, play with a passion and energy for my teammates. <laughs> so that was K.J. Costello on August 27th, admitting that he's, he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder when he faces Oregon. Good. Good. Bring it this week. Bring it this week. I don't doubt that he will, but bring it this week. And hopefully that translates into some better decision-making and some more crisp and accurate throws in critical situations because the throws have been there throughout this year there have been throws there and I wouldn't mind the, the coaching staff helping him out a little bit and getting him into some more rhythm throws like we saw against Northwestern it, it, it really KJ you know 
executed that almost brilliantly whenever he got into that. And it started slow starting against Northwestern, but then completed 11 straight passes. I thought that was impressive. So hopefully the coaching staff gives him a little help in that area. But overall, when the throws are there, KJ's got to make them. It's on him. It's on the offensive line. It's on the receivers. It's on the running backs to keep the momentum that they gained a little bit last week against UCF. It's on the entire defense. And it's on the coaches. It's possible that Stanford can win this game. It's possible. I think it's maybe a bit more possible than you might think. But it's going to take everyone performing at a much higher level than they have to this point this season. Looking forward to it. Always look forward to Stanford football, especially when it's at Stanford Stadium. No better place to be on a Saturday afternoon than the farm. Four o'clock kickoff at Stanford uh, versus Oregon. And, of course, we will break down everything that we see in that game. Next TreeCast should come your way on Sunday, as we'll be in the Cardinal locker room afterwards. We'll bring you interviews. And we'll bring you commentary and analysis like only the TreeCast can. List, thanks for listening to the show here, no matter where you're listening to us from. But don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the shows on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts and on Google Play. Yes, we are on Google Play now. So subscribe, rate, and review the show on Google Play as well. I certainly appreciate those of you who have done so to this point. Keep it going. Keep it going. Tell everyone you know about this show. If they like it, cool. If they don't, look, send them my way, <laughs> all right, and, uh, and, and tell them to let me know what I can do to make this show better. In the meantime, spread the word around. Spread the word around. And hopefully we're talking about good things on Sunday's TreeCast. Special thanks to our guest, Michael Wilson, Stanford sophomore wide receiver. And the biggest thanks, of course, goes out to you for checking us out on the show. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. That's all there is to that. See you Sunday on our next edition of the TreeCast with Troy Clare. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.